From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. So let's go ahead and we're going to go three, two, one. This pandemic has made reporting really weird. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And I get that that's not unique. It's made everything really weird. And weird is also a pretty kind word. But I mean, my job is to talk to people, to find people, to connect with people, to serve people. Basically, my job is to people. How do you survive in Vermont? What keeps you going? I can ask one person at a time if that's helpful. And then sometimes that reporting gets even more specific. And so do the people. Like, I don't know, trying to seek out Black artists in one of the whitest states in the Union who are not only willing to share their art with me, a stranger, but also unpack their joy, grief, rage, and systems of healing. You know, casual conversation. Have you had any friendships or, I don't know, interactions with folks where you're like, all right, they are starting to see me eye to eye here. And what if I want to talk to young people, teenagers, in fact, who are also Black in Vermont, who just might be, if I'm lucky, willing to do all of the above? Should I guess no? (laughs) And you know all this, but on Zoom, the platform that just screams, we are connecting while unmuting and sharing our screens. And Don, you won't have to worry because I just am recording this right in Zoom, okay? Sure. So sometimes it's no surprise to me when I get straight up crickets. Can we cue the crickets? Um. Okay, I can move on to the next question. The struggle is real, but it's cool. I get it. Sometimes, when it comes to this stuff, I don't feel like talking either. Welcome to Homegoings, a series from Brave Little State, featuring intimate conversations with Vermont artists of color. I'm Myra Flynn, and today I feel lucky enough to speak with not one, but three young, brave, Black Vermont youth. They're not professional artists yet. In fact, they're still in high school. But they are all doing what teenagers do and testing out participating in the arts as a form of self-expression. Throughout this series, I've used a metaphor of a house to describe the Black experience. The pillars of that house are grief, rage, healing, and joy. Today, we add a few more pillars to that metaphor. Pillars like history and power. And with my rage, I also feel a sense of power. And a lot of that is also how I survive. Sincerity. Um, and someone was like, Raise your hand if you believe Black Lives Matter. And everyone was like, I believe Black Lives Matter. I do. I do. And there is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. 
and this little thing with wings, albeit sometimes broken ones, called hope. Our hope is to make sure our voices are being heard by everybody. And what we say is being considered. So, pandemic be damned, racism be damned, Zoom be damned, we will be doing all we can to keep these conversations with Vermont artists of color going. This is Homegoings. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. I met Naomi, Faith, and Dawn through something called the Listen Up Project. It's an original musical based on interviews with hundreds of teenagers across Vermont. We'll hear more on that later. And full disclosure, before I began my job here at VPR, I was somewhat of a musical mentor on the project. I helped them write a couple songs. I'm Generation 1.5 But the one we'll hear later, the title song, Listen Up, they wrote that one themselves. It turns out they don't need any help speaking up about racial injustice. As much as I love it here, I do describe it as surviving. and that is That's Faith Awoto. Faith is from Essex. And as you'll hear today, she and the rest of the group are just so insightful. You have to remind yourself that they are young. Faith is 18. And that isn't always pretty, and that isn't always joy and pride. A lot of it is the parts that I have to suppress. To hell with respectability. I'm not here for you, but for prosperity. To bask in this black miraculous and holy. It's magic, fantastic. Bear witness to me, because this is my reckoning. My body is What I would hope for all black youth right now is happening for Faith. As in, she doesn't know what she wants to do next. Maybe be an artist in Burlington. She says it's still up in the air. Yes, freedom. Okay, first we need to believe on what we are doing. Don Kiputa lives in Winooski, and he's 19. He's originally from Zambia and came to Vermont in March 2020. I know I wasn't born here, but I equally deserve to be treated like anyone else. Being black is not my fault, and will never be my fault. Therefore, treat me like I'm your own. Don used to be painfully shy, and now he says he wants to be an advocate for underrepresented people here in Vermont, and that the Listen Up Project gave him the confidence to express his views without fearing anyone. Since we are here, we are simply raising our voice in order for people to hear us. Who says art doesn't change the world? And lastly... This is Naomi Fitzpatrick. She's 14. So I don't have a lot of experience being in Vermont, but since I've been here, family's been pretty helpful. It's just nice to know that you're not alone. 
Naomi lived in Boston until age seven, then spent five years in Burkina Faso. And now she's in Dorset, Vermont. She says it's all right here, especially once a year. People here have been accepting, especially it's the start of Black History Month. So people at my school have been um, trying to be extra nice to me because, you know, I'm Black. You tell me who I am, but how would you know? Following a custom started centuries ago. I'm shouting to be heard. It's like I never said a word. I'm done living like this. I know your vision is obscured. But Naomi also says ain't nobody got time for insincerity. Don't be nice to me for one month of the year. That's not how it works. Speaking of, you may notice that we're not putting this episode out during Black History Month. I don't know about you, but my blackness doesn't wear off after February, and neither should these conversations. Also, while we're on the subject, ugh, Black History Month. Any black listeners out there feel like there's always something a little off about February? I know I do. I mean, I'm so proud of our black history, or at least the history I'm aware of, the history that was actually kept in the books or passed down to me from my family members, the history and leaders and the Malcolms and the Martins and the Roses that I've been allowed to know about. And yet, there is still so much I don't know about my black history because of slavery and the total human erasure that came with it. My white father, from whom I get this last name, Flynn, has deep and traceable roots to Ireland. My black mother has deep and traceable roots to Alabama. That's it. When I was little, I used to pretend I was from Egypt, mainly because I thought the women were so beautiful. But also, I just wanted to say I was from somewhere, and that somewhere claimed me. And you may notice that these three teens are not a black American history monolith. And black in general is not a black American monolith. So I guess my biggest beef with Black History Month is the assumption that we all share the same history. What if the black American history, you know, the one shaped in part, at least, by trauma and slavery, is not yours to own? Like for Don Caputa, the only new American in our group conversation. As I mentioned earlier, he moved here two years ago from Zambia, and any fear he holds about being Black in America is learned. You know, I came in March, and in May, that was when George Floyd died. So I was quite um, afraid. I was like, how will life be for me like in the, fu- in the future years to come? How will it be since... George Floyd is dead and he's black and there's all these racial injustice that are being displayed within the community. So how will it be for me? Somehow, Don seems the least worried of all of us in the interview. He says that's because he has art. Then when I went into the listen up, okay, I, I really learned a lot and today I, I feel like 
I'm able to become an advocate for some people who do not have voices, for those black people who, who feel like they are low, they don't feel like home. I feel like I'm home now, based on the family that I found, my friend, Naomi, and, and Faith. Okay, they are pretty good to me. And today I feel like everything is quite good and I'm enjoying life now. I'm so sick of a history that glorifies colonizers, liars, and thieves that teaches that success needs control and greed. I shouldn't have to be nice to get you to agree. To hell with respectability. What do you find most powerful about yourself? It's not me. It's the history. Like This is Faith again. I, my family is Congolese, and so coming here and like really understanding and integrating myself into the Black American experience has been like so enriching in just how I view the world and how I view my place in it. And there's just, I, I could talk about it forever, honestly. Faith knows that Black history is still being made. It's active. It's living. Right now, it's damn near palpable. There's murder, movements, reckonings, and this thing called social media that's capturing it all, packaging it and circulating it with truths and falsehoods alike. I asked Faith if she found social media to be helpful or harmful in 2022, especially when it comes to cultivating community. And when you see campaigns like Black Lives Matter that like achieved such virality through social media and online, it's... It, it's real and it's not. And I feel communion with all these people, but at the same time, it feels fragile and it feels like it's being controlled by something else, some other force. Up next, Don, Faith, and Naomi respond to your questions about being young and Black and new American in Vermont in 2022. This is Homegoings from Brave Little State. Welcome back to Homegoings, a series from Brave Little State. I'm Myra Flynn. Back in 2019, Kingdom County Productions, which is based in the Northeast Kingdom, began conducting interviews with teenagers all over Vermont. Ultimately, more than 800 teens participated in the project, and the result was a musical, written and performed by these brave high schoolers. They even toured the project in the summer of 2021. The Listen Up project does tackle racism, but it also boldly attempts to tackle all teen issues happening today. And I can safely say, as a child of the 90s, that those issues, you know, the ones that come with high school, they look different these days. There's still puberty, cliques, and breakups, but they now walk shoulder to shoulder with a climate crisis, social media, and a pandemic. It is tough to be young right now. It was hard to even come up with appropriate questions for this interview. How can you ask anyone to reflect on trauma when they're currently in the thick of it? So I got a little help from you, our community. As you know, here in Brave Little State, we have a storytelling model predicated on answering your questions 
So I put this question to my public Facebook page. I asked, what do you, the people, want to know about being young and Black and New American in Vermont in 2022? Lucky for me, you came through. From Farine Paris Meyer of Burlington, she says, This is not your job, yet you show up 100% invested, doing the courageous shit. What keeps you going as Black Vermont youth? Anyone want to take that one? Eventually, Naomi Fitzpatrick did. She's the 14-year-old. I, I feel like, I don't know, there's something inside of you that just says that you can get out there and you can make it happen. I feel like it's the history that's just kind of, it's, it's so strong. But Faith adds, I feel like I need to call light to the fact that it is hard to so often be expected to be kind of this like that figure and or a teacher or whatever it is and so many days I want to be like no I don't owe that to anyone because I don't and it, it shouldn't be expected of me but more often than not like my answer is simply that I have to like like how else am I supposed to imagine anything different from my future than by laying out what I expect and what I need and what I'm demanding right now. Another audience question came all the way from LA. Megan Ibarra of Los Angeles, California, who tunes into Brave Little State, said, what's something your community could do better or more to celebrate you and your experience? Don took this one, and he thinks it's hard to celebrate your future if you don't know your past. If we are without the knowledge of our own past history, then we are more like a tree without the, without the roots. So if we know the past, then we'll be able to focus on what, we'll be able to, to do something that is different. Did you see racism in Zambia? Did you see like the same kind of racism that we deal with here in America or was it different? I, I, I literally didn't, didn't see any. Maybe because there's just different kind of people that are black. But here we are mixed. We have blacks and whites. Our final listener question is pretty straightforward. Mike George from Roxbury wants to know, do you feel safe? Here's Faith. I don't want to say no, but I think I have to. It's layered, and it doesn't always look like someone following you or yelling slurs at you on the street, but, like, that happens. It's happened to me, and I watch it happen, and, I, you, like, you walk away. What actually hurts so much more is when it's my friends, when it's someone I trust, someone I'm intimate with who just says the wrong thing or doesn't think about the implications of what they're doing. And then it's moments like that where I realize I feel safe until I have to remember I'm Black. And then it's all just like gone. (laughs) 
I'm a mom. I have this two-year-old little black daughter. And the thought that one day she might be 18 and say out loud that she sometimes feels safe until she remembers that she's black is more than heartbreaking. It's unacceptable. And Faith, who lives up to her name, doesn't accept it either. Almost in spite of this lack of safety, she has faith in an anti-racist society. But it's going to cost. I think that it's very trendy and rewarding to be anti-racist, but it's not like problematic at all to be racist and like that's an issue right and so when I say make it expensive make it dangerous give it social consequences like I mean exactly that like you cannot excuse the instances of bigotry you are seeing in your life and every time you see it and excuse it you are perpetuating it you will be fined five hundred dollars for every racist slur (laughs) I wish people would stop being racist so quickly, but like, we don't do that. And that's not even just like in a personal, like one-on-one situation that is like nationally, like make institutions of racism pay for that. Give it like institutional and societal consequences. Like you should be afraid to say what you're going to say if it's going to hurt someone. Like, I don't get it. I've been reading a book about hope written by Jane Goodall. Yes, that Jane Goodall. She writes, quote, Hope is often misunderstood. People tend to think it is simply passive, wishful thinking. This is indeed the opposite of real hope, which requires action and engagement. And why would you bother to take action if you did not truly hope that it would make a difference? Unquote. If Jane's right then none of the pillars in the homegoing's house built of black grief, rage, joy, and healing exist without hope. Active hope has always been essential to black survival. But I had to ask the group, does hope feel functional right now for black youth? What reasons remain to be hopeful, if we even should? This question finally got everyone talking. I was offered a diverse bouquet of answers. Our hope is to make sure our voices are being heard by everybody and what we say is being considered. I feel like it's hard to hope. It is hard to hope. We've never been awarded joy and hope and imagination in our past. They should put it into use, what we say. When you don't keep going at something, it eventually disappears. And when you're never given that image of like what the potential you have is and what you can do, it's hard to believe in that. I feel like eventually there will be justice. It'll just take time, but we need to keep going at it. And if we don't, who will? I have hope because I have to, but also hope is not necessarily the thing that most motivates me. Hope isn't really a plan. If we stop now, nothing's going to keep it going. Here in Vermont, we should be living a very free life. Here in Vermont, 
We should be living a very free life. We should be living a very free life. My takeaway from this conversation with three young, brave Black artists is that the Black battle between history and hope, or the fight to know our history and not fall hopeless, lives on. And for us, the battlefield is usually a stage. A stage like church, or a stage like a musical, like the Listen Up Project. I definitely wrote everything just to make sure my voice is heard and what I've been crying is able is put on on the plate and people are able to see and and hear. I also thought of it as an opportunity just to kind of yell out what we want, what we're demanding right now. Like you're not just talking about it within your your um your friend's circle or whatever. You can yell it out so all of Vermont hears and eventually the world or a stage like Vermont in the few places we get to come together safely, like here on Homegoings. And, and remember, the, the state also has brown people who are listening to this as well. So sometimes I catch myself only talking to white people. I'm so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of forgetting like my melanated individuals out in the world because honestly, living in Vermont, spectacle. Like my existence is spectacle and I'm told that I only exist for white audiences. But yo, if you're black and brown, like you're incredible and you're beautiful. And in case no one told you, like elite, elite, you are the best. This is your life, this is your world and own it fully and entirely and without apology. Like that's something I needed to hear. And it's something that should be said more often. What you're about to hear is the title song for the Listen Up Project. And it's a good reminder for all of us that when it comes to young folks, maybe we just have to listen. So let's do that now. Settle in and... Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. I'm so sick of a history that glorifies colonizers, liars, and thieves that teaches that success needs control and greed. I shouldn't have to be nice to get you to agree. To hell with respectability. I'm not here for you, but for prosperity. To bask in this black miraculous and holy. It's magic, fantastic. Bear witness to me, cuz this is my reckoning. My body is defiant and it's wrestling. The struggle is the same, my protest is to smile, despite all the pain. So I'll be happy, the way my mama taught me. And I'll keep fighting to undo these racist policies. And I'll believe in better things, even if it's naive. Cause this is black excellence, this is what we need. See, that's collective, typical But I equally deserve to be treated like anyone else. 
Being black is not my fault, and will never be my fault. Therefore, treat me like I'm your own. I may sound different from the tone of my voice. All I need is just for you to listen. Maybe the pain within me will disappear. a custom started centuries ago. I'm shouting to be heard. It's like I never said a word. I'm done living like this. I know your vision is obscured. So take me as ignorant. Decide my identity. Bystanding is just white supremacy. The pain is normalized. The sufferer unrecognized. The beauty we carry unwanted and criticized. Center of attention, taught by the white man. Excuse my lack of retention. I can't disagree, or they would send me to detention. Could leave my attitude home, they still give me suspension. There's many other things that I'd like to mention, but I got a timestamp and I already put a dent in. There have been some assumptions that should now be called to question. Sorrow in my heart, 400 years has been kept in. Listen up to the voices who laid down the foundation. Listen up with our power, we have built the nation. Listen up from your hearts, you've taken a vacation. Listen up, my people got some better. A representation seen as collective typical i am an individual you see the same in visual i have a different ritual celebrate us elevate trust rise above the system freedom is a must celebrate us elevate trust rise above rise above the spirit's been so low it's time to rise up Let's celebrate. Thanks for listening to Home Goings by Brave Little State and to Naomi Fitzpatrick, Don Kiputa, and Faith Owoto for great conversation. If you want to check out some original sheet music and lyrics to the Listen Up song, some beautiful graphics by our colleague Elodi Reed, and re-listen to the rest of our series, head to our website, bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, we've added a video component to our final Homegoings performances. We're calling them Artist Snapshots, and you can watch our very first one. Special thanks to everyone who reached out with questions for the group, including Farine Paris Meyer, Megan Ibarra, and Mike George. Thanks also to Bess O'Brien and Kingdom County Productions for the use of their song and video. If you have a recommendation for a future Homegoings interview, get in touch with our team by writing to hello at bravelittlestate.org. In the meantime, we are going to keep answering your questions about Vermont, our region, and its people. We welcome questions of all sorts at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can vote on the question you want us to tackle next and sign up for the BLS newsletter. 
You can also say hi on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at BraveStateVT. Homegoings is a production of Vermont Public Radio, created by the Brave Little State team. Josh Crane, Angela Evansy, VPR Newsfellow Marlon Hyde, and me. I produced and mixed this episode and composed the theme music you heard today. All other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Our video production team includes David Littlefield, Kiana Haskin, Mike Dunn, and Kyle Ambusk. And we had engineering support from Peter Ingish. If you've liked what you've heard, please make a gift at bravelittlestate.org donate, or just tell your friends to listen. I'm Myra Flynn. We'll be back soon with more people-powered storytelling. Until then, be brave. Be brave.